Welcome to Soul Driven, a podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for life inspiration, practical how-tos, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, and I am your host. Thank you for being here. Hi there. I am super excited to share today's interview with you. The sound is better this week. It's a little bit loud even, but hey, that's an improvement. We'll take it. Many steps here. Um, But Derek was a fantastic guest. He shared lots of knowledge about the CARES Act. We geeked out on marketing. As you'll see, both Derek and I have a lot in common. It's always such a pleasure to speak with him. He is truly an entrepreneur that I admire for just the ways that he gives back. It's never ending. And so I really hope you enjoy this. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot because there's better things coming. (laughs) Enjoy the interview. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode number 12. Today I am interviewing Derek Schmidt, founder and CEO of Swell Systems and Design Loud. My name is Anna Hendricks. Thanks so much for being here. If you're a small business owner, entrepreneur, or freelancer, today's episode is for you. I decided to switch up my usual posting schedule to interview Derek, who launched a COVID-19 small business owners resource group on Facebook. He's here to help us understand the CARES Act. Then we'll be switching gears and geeking out on marketing, sharing our perspective on how marketing is changing, suggestions on your marketing, and what we're advising clients to do through this time period. Welcome to the podcast, Derek. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I love that you're outside. There's going to be like birds singing Uh, throughout. Yeah, I hope they participate. (laughs) well I haven't added uh music to my podcast yet it's I mean like good gosh I finally hired someone to start helping me do that because there's so much but now now you're bringing background music and that's so nice (laughs) um awesome so before we dive in just a reminder that I won't be posting uh an episode next Saturday and that the video from this episode will be available on YouTube and I'll be sharing that link in the show notes. So we are going to just go ahead and dive right in. Derek, the big question, what makes you soul-driven? Um, this could be a really long answer, but I'll try to give you the <laughs> short version of it. Uh, when I was younger, I researched like what my name meant. And I, you know, I'm sure just like everybody else, you, you grow up and you feel like you have this, this purpose to fulfill in life and a much bigger meaning. Um, so when I researched my name, I found out that uh, my first name, and I get them confused interchangeably, but first name Michael, I think, is uh, he who is like God, and I don't believe at all in my God. So let me clarify that. But then Derek, okay. it's a lead, like it means to be a, a leader of sorts. And so when I, I guess, grew up and grew out of my uh, adolescent phase, you know, I really just took a, a strong position with trying to help people genuinely just trying to help people um 
I was getting exposed to things like the secret. So I had a vision board and I was using the law of attraction. And you look at my vision board now that I created when I started this business and I fulfilled most of everything on there. Um, but for me, it's just, it's really just being honest, an honest person and really just trying to help people and pay it forward. I love that. I love that. Folks, I, I, I didn't mention again, my last interview was with a Sagittarius. This is, Derek is another Sagittarius. <laughs> and we're both like marketing agency owners. So, um, no, I love that. I was so obsessed with the, the meaning of my name too when I was very young. It's and that is, that is often something I ask people, especially when I meet them and they have unique names. And it always blows my mind when people don't know. Yeah. What does your name mean? It means grace. And I always used to joke because I was super clumsy as a kid. I would literally trip over myself all the time. And my mother put me in gymnastics just, I guess, to help me learn how to work my body. <laughs> but um, I used to joke that it was like grace, none of which I have. Um, but the older I have gotten, I've realized how much grace I have in my life. I mean, I, and I'm so thankful for it. It's like, I, it's almost like I can do no wrong by the universe. Like I'm always protected. I'm always taken care of. I'm always provided for. Um, I'm, I'm able to get out of situations that other people like can't get out of. I mean, I just, I have so much grace in my life. So I'm a huge believer in like names. I think they're super important for people's lives. Yeah, I am uh, all exposed to that. Um, we ran a numerology report, which I don't know if you've ever done, but you should. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that <laughs> exposes a lot of, uh, you know, truths. And my wife laughs every time she reads mine. And she's just like, yep, that's you. What's all your the number? Oh, man. So I went to like numerology.com or .org or something, and they give you lots of numbers. So it's based on like the time, the day, the phase of the moon, the year, the month, like all these things. And uh Maybe it's a gimmick or not, but it was going through and everything it pointed out, I was just like, wow, yeah, um, both to benefit and to a fault. Do you know what your life path number is? I'm not offhand, no. I can share my birthday if you need to. <laughs> remember all that stuff. Yeah, no, numerology is, I mean, it's huge, huge, huge. And it's kind of one of those things, um, I mean, like right now we are in a four year which if you look up the number four is, it's, it's aligning with everything that's happening. I'll just say that. Um, but yes, numerology is definitely legit. It's really fascinating to see how it works along in the metaphysical community too. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is hilarious that we've already gotten off track <laughs> in this. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's awesome and I mean, you know, when I decided to launch Soul Driven, the podcast, and thought about who I wanted to interview, you were someone I had on my list from the beginning because I really feel like you work with purpose. You always have. And I don't know that I know another entrepreneur who gives back as much as you do. I feel like you are always on top of it. Just give, 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 give. And um, it's something I really admire about you. So... Those are far too kind words, but thank you. So true though. <laughs> um, okay, so for those who don't know you, can you share a little bit about your background with us? Sure, so um, <clears throat> my name is Derek Schmidt and uh, 
located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. I was born in Jacksonville, about 30 miles away, but I moved here when I was two, so I claim Wilmington, my hometown. And, uh, you know, as I was growing up, I didn't know what I was doing or that's what I wanted to do, but I, I was the guy who would take his leftover Halloween candy to school and sell it off to friends. Um, I was always finding ways to kind of sell and make money. And, I mean, of course, I, I want to make ends meet, um, but I'm my mission, my purpose, it's not completely money driven. As long as my fam family is provided for, that's all that concerns me. But um, 2011, uh, I was working a job and they were starting to cut back hours. And at the time I had a really close relationship with my boss. And I said, hey, you know, I've been working this side gig on Craigslist for about six months now. And I think I have enough work where I can make it work you know, as my primary uh, business, um, would you mind just laying me off and let me collect unemployment? Uh, and if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll be sure to go out and get a job. Like I wasn't trying to drain that company, but they agreed. And um, not even 30 days into it, once I was able to devote all my attention to kind of growing my business, I did. I made more money my first year than I'd ever made working for anybody else, which doesn't mean a lot because I was college dropout and I was always working kind of like the restaurants or the lower level positions. So I was uh, disposable. Um, but once I saw the potential of what I could do, uh, I mean, each year I just, I kept growing and uh, I started my second business officially in 2017. Um, and now with this whole COVID-19 thing, I'm thinking about a third one. So I'm just, I'm the guy that knows a little about a lot and I'm just trying to create, you know, multiple revenue streams so I don't have to rely too heavily on one and just kind of go with the flow of what life throws at you, I guess. So was Design Loud your first business, your marketing agency? Yes, it was. Um, that's when I set it up in 2011. Okay, that's awesome. And then you launched Swell Systems. I was at the launch, but that was, that's the second one, right? Yeah, that was the second business software company. Okay, um, awesome. Yeah, I used to sell cookies in my parents' restaurant. It was a Mexican restaurant and I was selling like chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> You, you were close to the same things. Absolutely. <laughs> I was all about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, till I saw the waitresses walking around with those wads of cash, and then I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. So I loved that you took so much initiative, and um, which I think is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, initiative is the number one trait I think an entrepreneur must have. It's like, if you don't have initiative, you're going to have a tough time, you know, making anything of yourself. Because like you said, you know, you've, you've just seen opportunity in the midst of all of this again. And so potentially might be stepping out into something else. But I love that you took so much initiative and jumped in and created this Facebook group for small businesses, you know, to understand the CARES Act. Um, can you share a little bit about why you chose to do that? Yeah, so we really wanted to create a resource for business owners that wasn't really loaded with spam. I mean, there are tons of Facebook groups out there, and all of them are talking about this COVID-19 stuff because so many people have been affected. But just as soon as somebody posts a question asking for help, they're immediately followed up by, you know, maybe a private lender who's trying to loan them money. So it's, or somebody trying to sell them, you know, marketing services. Uh, and, and it's just, it creates this barrier to people having access to the information they need um, without feeling like they're, you know, uh, being sold something. 
Um, so that's really the, the primary mission of why we started that group. We wanted to keep it very clean where nobody can come in and obviously start selling their stuff, but it's a great place for business owners to ask questions, to look at other people's questions, uh, and to get feedback from not just uh, the group administrators, but the group in general, because there are a lot of very smart people in that group. And uh, we're going to get through all this together and we want to build a community around it. Yeah, I love that. And this group is public and what available to, I mean, like it's not just North Carolina stuff, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's, um, it's global. We've seen a lot of members from the, uh, the United States obviously jumping in because that's where we have the most uh, information available for our nation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's completely open. All you need to be is a business owner um, and agree not to come in and start immediately selling your services to people. We want to <laughs> no spam. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I'll definitely be putting a, uh, a link in the show notes, FYI for folks. And um, okay, so let's go ahead and jump right in and start talking about the CARES Act. So can you explain a little bit about what the CARES Act is for folks? Sure. Um, and again, I mean, I've got a, a very uh, ground level knowledge about all this. So to my understanding, there are primarily three options available for people. There's the Paycheck Protection Program loan, that's the PPL loan, or PPP loan. Um, there's the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Uh, and then there's your standard unemployment. Um, and so which one you're going to be able to apply for really depends on just your business entity, how well you've been keeping books throughout maybe 2019 and 2020, um, as far as like payroll. Um, and then just, you know, are you an employee or are you an employer or a combination of both depending on your, your business structure. Um, so those are the three primary buckets that it looks like we have available as of today. Okay. And the, so the PPP, P. <laughs> um, this is like federally guaranteed loans, correct? And can you share a little bit about who qualifies for those or what they are specifically? Sure. So as far as the, uh, the PPP, the eligibility there uh, is small businesses, sole proprietors, independent contractors, um, self-employed, uh, private nonprofits, so 501c3 or 501c19 designation um, and as long as you have less than 500 employees you would you could be eligible for the paycheck protection program um, the other side of it the EIDL uh, same with businesses less than 500 employees uh, that one's more for sole proprietors independent contractors uh, and private nonprofits and of course I mean there's more more criteria for that but that's pretty much how you distinguish between the two and what makes you eligible. Okay. And so why would someone want to take, I mean, as, as a small business owner myself, I'm like alone. Why would I want to take a loan? So why, why are folks utilizing the PPP? Sure. So the PPP loan, there's um, a forgivable part of that loan. And then there's no payments for at least the first six months. I believe they have a fixed interest rate uh, on that loan for 1%. So for example, uh, and that there again is criteria, like you should be spending that on payroll and overhead expenses like rent or mortgage or whatever. Um, you know, but with that, I mean, it's, it's 
for me personally, if I have ever considered going after uh, a loan or getting a loan from the bank, it makes it really appealing that the interest rate for this is 1% or even for the EIDL loan that it's, you know, up to 3.75%. Whereas if I were to go through like a, my bank or uh, a credit card, I'm looking at 12 to 20 to 30%. Right. So for me, I mean, that's, that's the, why I'd be interested in looking at it to get a loan. Um, but there are a lot of benefits to if you decide to move forward with that loan as well. Interesting. So like if a restaurant wanted to do some upgrades and, you know, they had considered, you know, getting a loan beforehand, then this would be potentially a much better option for them because interest rates so low. Yes. And yes and no. I mean, um, so they want to see you spend that PPP money on things like payroll, which would include benefits, mortgage, interest, rent, utilities, et cetera. Um, as I mentioned, there's no payments for the first six months and you've got two years to pay it back. Now there's a forgivable portion of this, I believe, but that's only assuming that you spend it in the correct places and you'll have to prove that you've spent that money, uh, on payroll or mortgage or rent utilities, et cetera, in order to qualify for that. Got um, it. So you yeah. can't just do fun things with, the money <laughs> not necessarily no i mean in terms of qualifying for the forgiveness um up to 100 percent if use on mortgage and rent utility and payroll costs can be forgiven um the request for the loan forgiveness will be done through your lending institution so probably who you do your banking with okay awesome and the eidl so this is, can, can you kind of share what the difference is, I guess, between this one and the PPP? Sure. So the EIDL is coming from uh, the SBA. And as I mentioned, the interest there is up to 3.75. Uh, in my opinion, and based on my understanding, that's more of, uh, that's more of a stimulus for your business, right? And so uh, that would apply to sole proprietors, independent contractors, um, private companies and, and nonprofits. That loan can be used for payroll, fixed debts, accounts payable, other expenses um, that cannot be paid due to the disaster's impact, right? And so you've got a little more flexibility on how and where you spend that money. Um, they also offer up to a $10,000 advance that does not have to be, back, uh, be paid back if it's used appropriately, such as payroll and those fixed debts and stuff. Interesting. And have, yeah, and you don't have to pay anything on that one for the first 12 months. Okay. Um, so let's use myself as an example. I am a sole proprietor. I have an S Corp, but I have not been giving myself a paycheck since I stepped back into my agency beginning of 2019 because of the debt that I had accumulated from my second business that I shut down at the end of 2018. So everything that comes in, I only like give myself dividends basically so I can pay my bills and then everything else um, goes to debt. So would I qualify for the EIDL potentially? 
Yes, I think uh, you're going to mainly focus on the EIDL because you haven't had any payroll expenses, um, which is mainly what the whole uh, Paytech protection program is all about, right? Right. And so um, I can actually relate. I mean, on the Design Loud, uh, Design Loud's an escort, but we've got payroll. So I was able to apply for the EIDL and the PPP program, right? Now on the Swell side, Swell technically doesn't have any payroll. We, as of right now, we just kind of utilize the agency services to fulfill like the marketing, the development and the design, but there's no like, there's no payroll on staff. We've got customer support, but they're contractors pretty much. So on Swell, I can only apply for the EIDL loan. I can't apply for the PPP loan. Okay, so that was my next question. So I have contractors that work with me and my agency. So, but they don't, do they count as employees or no, I, because they don't get a W-2? Yeah, I don't believe they count as employees because they don't receive a W-2. Um, but again, you can use the funds, I believe on the EIDL to pay your contractors. Um, and that may even qualify for the, the forgiveness side of the, the advance if you decide to take it. Um, but yeah, because they're not W-2s, they won't, all they can really do is apply for um, unemployment. Okay. So the contractors themselves could apply for unemployment. Correct. And you as the business owner, you can um, potentially apply for unemployment as well, but then you get the EIDL loan. So you as a business owner, based on your business and my understanding of it, um, you can apply for the EIDL loan and collect unemployment. Okay, so I could do both. Yes, based okay. on my understanding. So there's, there's no conflict in doing more than one? No, in fact, as it was told to me, if you can apply for the EIDL uh, and the PPP loan to do it, and then you don't have, I mean, you're not obligated on either one until you officially sign off on your, your loan documents. Um, but at that way, you can kind of assess like which loan may be better for you. And I even heard that if you close on one, I think if you close on the PPP loan before you close on the EL, EIDL loan, that you can take advantage of both, both loans without any penalties. Hmm. Interesting. So what about like gig workers, like Uber drivers and folks like that who are depending on, you know, those sorts of things, are they just straight unemployment or... I believe they would be straight unemployment for this. I'm not familiar with how Uber um, pays them, but I would assume it's kind of a contractor relationship. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty not, sure they get 1099s. Yeah, so I don't think they technically own their own business. Um, so it would be the unemployment for them. Okay. So if you're a contractor, then you would just apply for unemployment. Correct. And if you're a freelancer, meaning like you have at least an LLC um, or a small business owner who doesn't really have employees, you know, but has contractors, then the EIDL would be a good option for you. And yeah. then if, if you have payroll W-2 employees um, and a business that's been affected by all of this, then you would go for the PPP. Correct or possibly both of them. Okay. Um, now there's a gray area there between a contractor. So just for clarification, 
really what you determine uh, on which direction you can go, it's based on how you file your taxes. So if you are an independent contractor, but you've got a legal business entity that you know you kind of work for, right? Uh, then you, some of these options are available to you. And to put that into an example, let's say uh, let's say our agency has a salesperson, but they're a 1099 contractor. But that 1099 contractor, they've got their own LLC or their own company, right? And so right. the agency really just hires this contractor from this company. Now that contractor does should get unemployment, but should also have access to um, some of these other loan programs as well. So it's really comes down to how you file your taxes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because so last year when I first got out of, uh, or shutting down my second business and we had never shut down the agency through the midst of that, but I stopped bringing on clients. And so of course there was some momentum that needed to be worked up. And in the beginning of that, um, so in the big, so when I stepped out, I was just, I was doing whatever possibly came my way. Um, not only to make some money, but also just because, you know, I wanted to leave myself open for trying new things. And I took a sales job for about a month. I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> um, not like cold calling sales. I mean, um, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was actually, I don't know what I was thinking when I filled out the paperwork, but I, because I was doing marketing for them as well. And I didn't give them my agency information. I gave them my personal information. So I was like a contractor for them during that period of time. Yep. So then I would be able to file for unemployment. Is that correct? Or no, because it was like a short term thing. Correct. And I believe if you were... Um, claiming that on the agency's like income or revenue, like the money you got from that, then you could also apply for some of the other programs too. That's where there's a little gray area and you definitely want to, uh, if you aren't a member of that group, jump in there because there are people that specialize in this and, and know far more than I do. Yeah. Um, but I believe that gray area is you maintain your, your status with your escort during that time. So you still technically had a business. Um, I'm not sure how that correlates with you being a contractor for another company, but you still have this business entity. And so that may make you eligible to do some of these different programs. Interesting. Yeah. The, I mean, for myself in regards to when I had started looking into all of this, I think the gray area was what was most confusing to me and certainly why I wanted to bring you onto this podcast and just kind of talk through some of these things. Cause I know I'm far from the only one. Yeah. Um, so in regards to these loans, I have recently been told that like the money's going to run out soon. And that like, if you don't hurry up and get your stuff in, then you may miss out on this opportunity. What do you, what do you say about those kinds of time timelines? Like, is that real? As of right now with the information we have, um, yeah, the money is uh, expected to run out. Now they're trying to pass another bill that would inject more money in. Um, but as of right now, it's kind of a first come first serve. So if you haven't yet, go ahead, take the time to submit your applications. If you're doing the EIDL loan, you can do that through the SBA website. Literally takes you, you know, five, 10 minutes. They've got a very streamlined application for that. And if hmm. you're looking at the PPP program, um, 
you would do that through your financial institution, like your bank. Uh, or in my case, I use a credit union. So we're, we're going through the credit union. Now for me personally, that was a little bit longer of an application process to get that all filled out. Um, so don't wait on that. And as of right now, I've not heard back from either one of them. Um, and it's been, I think today is what, April 9th. I think I applied for both around like April 1st. Um, but people are starting to hear back. And I think the SBA has said that they're gonna start notifying people within the first couple of weeks. Interesting. So when you fill out the application, do you find out immediately if you qualify or is that what you're waiting to hear back on? Or are you also, or just kind of waiting to hear back on like how much or how does that work? Yeah. So I'm kind of waiting to hear back on how much and if I qualify, but I, based on my experience with the SBA, cause I had to go through this a while back with Florence, right? Mm, um, or yeah. the personal side, but um, we got some help through the Florence disaster relief fund. And so I'm not really um, concerned about if I uh, qualify. I feel like the parameters are pretty wide for, for most people, you know, as long as you don't have like terrible uh, credit or anything, or uh, I don't even know if that's a factor, but it's more about like, what am I, what am I eligible for? So that's what I'm waiting to hear about. Okay. And the PPP, that's more of a, they're looking more at your personal Whereas the EIDL, it's all about your business. And so I don't know what's going to happen with the personal, um, the PPP stuff, um, because there's that personal component attached to it. But I don't anticipate any problems. But I definitely wouldn't delay submitting your application if you need help. Right. Are all banks offering this? Or how, do, how does that work? So uh, what we've been telling people is to call your bank and see if they're offering it. There is a list, I believe, on the SBA website of all the approved um, banks that are offering the, the PPP loan. Um, in my case, I banked through a credit union. They were not listed on that, but they're a credit union, not a bank. So I wouldn't have known if I hadn't have called and asked them if they were providing that. Um, Cause I couldn't find any information that they were offering that online. But when I called, they said that they were, uh, and they got me the documents within a couple hours and I started filling everything out. Nice, small banks for the win. <laughs> yeah, and there are even some banks that even if you're not a member with them, they will help you through um, through the loans and filling everything out. And there's a great group of people in that uh, Facebook group, that community, who are just helping tons of people for free, and they're much more knowledgeable in this area. So it's definitely an asset to have. Um, and I'll take free stuff whenever I can get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not, you know? So the turnaround time, you don't know yet. People are just still kind of waiting to hear back. I assume there's like millions of applications. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the order it's received in, but um, they're telling people to wait at least two weeks for um, confirmation. Now your banking, your bank uh, institution, if you're doing the PPP, you could hear a response a lot faster because it's being processed through a bank. But if you're doing the EIDL through the SBA website, um, I think they put on there, you know, please allow two weeks for some sort of response or uh, additional information if needed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anything else that you can think of that we should cover before we kind of switch gears? Um, no, no. I mean, if you, if you can, um, as it was told to me, you know, try to apply for both of them find out, you know, how you're going to spend the money and that will determine like which loan is best for you. And, um, you know, there may be an opportunity in there for you to take both loans if you decide to go through that 
that route. But for me personally, um, we haven't seen, you know, a huge drop in, in clients and stuff. Um, but it just caught us at a really awkward time of the year where we were moving and some other things happened and all that just kind of shut down. So, um, yeah, just take advantage of what, what they have to offer. And just to kind of reiterate, these loans are primarily for things that like payroll and um, maybe a mortgage payment or like your rent for your building or those types of, of like bills within a business, correct? Yeah, especially in the PPP one. I think with the EIDL, you've got a little more flexibility on how you plan to use that um, because that one can go towards things like accounts payable. Um, so paying for services or software or, you know, vendors, whatever the case is, contractors. Um, I think if you want to get the grant or the forgivable portion of these, uh, that's where you're going to have to keep really good books on how you spent that money um, to qualify for the forgivable side of it. But even if you don't qualify for that, in my personal opinion, like it's, it's rare that a business is going to see a loan with less than a 4% rate. So me personally, I mean, it makes sense if you ever thought about getting a loan to go ahead and try to proceed if you can, um, so long as it's not taking, you know, something away from thy neighbors who, who really need it, um, is my philosophy. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for explaining that to us, Derek. Um, making it a little bit simpler. <laughs> um, so we're going to shift gears now and jump into all things marketing. As I mentioned before, Derek owns uh, an agency, Design Loud, and you've had it since 2011? Mm -hmm. This will be our ninth year. Okay. Yeah, I've had Arch since 2012, June is when I started that. Um, it was just on a Hendrix something. I can't remember for like a year and a half. And then I rebranded, relaunched with like a full team in 2014. So, um, so share a little bit about Design Loud. What is it that you all specialize in and what's kind of your, your specialty? Yeah, I mean, um, we started just doing, you know, like I said, just me doing graphic design jobs off Craigslist. Um, that eventually led into building websites for people. Um, and then just the way my brain's wired, uh, I'm constantly looking for the next thing. So I got into marketing. Uh, specifically online marketing and search engine optimization. And so we've pivoted over the years to where uh, the online advertising, the SEO, that makes up about 80% of our business. And the web design probably takes up about 20% now. Um, so if we were to specialize in any one area, I'd say it's definitely the, uh, the search engine optimization. Um, and then secondary to that would be the online advertising um, learned a lot of things over the years and just because we can pull from that technical knowledge of you know building a website and then we have this expertise on seo we can kind of build those right things into the website as we're building it that ultimately help you know drive traffic to the website once it's launched because what gets a website if nobody's coming to it yeah for sure and what type of online advertising specifically is like ppc and stuff like that yeah, so pay-per-click. So we're doing um, a lot of Google ads and Bing ads. Uh, we do Facebook and Instagram ads. And then one of the services we've added within the last two years was streaming television advertising. So you've got all your cable cutters who are no longer getting the cable through somebody like Spectrum or Time Warner. 
Uh, and instead they're using their Roku or their Fire TV and they're subscribing to AMC and, you know, like just television and cable television in general has evolved so much over the last few years. Um, but now what that allows you to do is advertise on these streaming television services. You've got all of the data that's available to marketers online. So you've got people's demographics, their psychographics, their buying habits, their behavior, all this information to really put in that laser focused targeting. So the right person sees your ad at the right time where they're already spending their time. Right. Um, and so I think that's super powerful because previous to that, it was all just done on cable and, you know, you get your garner and garner reports and it would tell you, yeah, this cluster of people live in this zip code and this, but now you've got so much more granular control over who sees your ads and when it's, uh, that's something we're most excited about now. So that was that's a really way. interesting. Yes. So it's ads. It's not like commercials. Right. Well, it's video commercials, but you've got the power of the online advertising behind it. So you can track how many views it got, how many clicks it got. They can click through directly to your landing page or your website. Um, it's on their mobile device, on your Roku stick. It's all the popular stations. So you've got Hulu, AMC, uh, <laughs> any television network that supports commercials, pretty much you have that now. That's awesome. And so do you have like a full on video production team now? We don't do that in-house. We, we rely on partners to do the video production of it. And then we just help market it. Um, so we work very closely for them. If they don't, if the client doesn't already have a video, we work closely with them to kind of develop what that video would look like. It's generally no more than 15, 30 second video um, with specific points you want to address in there. Uh, and then we just, we set it up in the campaign. We do the split testing and launch it. That's awesome. That's, that's definitely like very innovative. I like it, Derek. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what did you call them? Cable cutters? Cable cutters. Yeah. <laughs> I have never heard that term before. Um, I'm, I mean, you know, I have my Netflix and uh, I've never, I've never had cable since I left home as a kid, you know, and like, I didn't grow up watching TV or anything like that. So if, if I, if I watch like one episode on from like Parks and Rec or something per week, I'm doing pretty good. So yeah. I'm not the most hip when it comes to all that stuff. Yeah, no, we, uh, we haven't had cable and well over a decade and but we did have Netflix and we relied on that 100% until Hulu and then Disney Plus so now with four kids we've pretty much got Hulu Disney Plus <laughs> <and Netflix. laughs> well it's super smart I mean especially right now people are home and people are utilizing you know all of the the Roku and all of that big time so oh, yeah. this is a great time to get out in front of people um, so let's kind of talk about like I think it's a really interesting discussion um, that I have seen popping up within the marketing industry and something that I just kind of started shifting myself, I guess about two weeks ago now, you know, and honestly, I think it was really from the very beginning of, of when the whole shelter in place, social distancing stuff started popping up. I feel like there was a big shift from selling or at least I took a big shift from selling to focus more on branding and storytelling because oh, yeah. I felt the, the climate had really changed, you know, and, and people didn't want that, like, 
in your face, you know, sales stuff, no matter how fun or cool it was, you know what I mean? Um, what do you think about, about marketing right now? Just kind of in general. I think a uh, storytelling, storytelling is a huge, huge, um, avenue to explore now. I think it's, you know, I think people have been changing how they make decisions to purchase for a long time now. And I attended, uh, I think it was Matt Magney had a presentation a while back about this and how just when you're selling now, it's not like the car salesman approach anymore where it's like, Hey, we've got this by now. It's more about kind of building that relationship and adding value uh, up until the point where they're ready to make that decision. But at that time, they trust you. You've delivered value to them. And it makes that selling process and that brand loyalty just so much stronger because you've developed, you've cultivated that relationship with them. Um, they feel closer to you and they trust you. Um, and you're seen as something like an authority because of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, so within my agency, I always called my, my agency kind of old-fashioned because for me, the relationship was always number one mm -hmm. in regards to ensuring that we were connecting with the right people, that we were providing them value, that we were offering them solutions, um, that we were uh, allowing for that emotional connection. You know what I mean? And yeah. so storytelling has always been at the top for me, but I know within my own agency that became such a, an issue with when, especially when I was working with larger corporations, because of course they were so focused on the bottom line and so focused on the data and the sales and all of that. And, um, and so coming in to like this sort of a time frame. You know, it's, it's been interesting to watch like which businesses are continuing to proceed forward with business as usual and continue selling and continue pushing product instead of transitioning to a little bit more of the softer side, you know, sharing the behind the scenes, being vulnerable with what's going on within their business, you know, um, perhaps sharing like background stories for their business originated. You know what I mean? Like those <laughs> shifts. Yeah. You're uh, what you're describing now is what I've dubbed as piercing the corporate veil, you know, where you kind of like, you've got direct insight to like the founders or the owners of a company. And, you know, uh, an example would be, I have a, a picture on maybe my Google, my business page. That's of me playing in the yard with my kids. So it's like, it's a little more personal now. Um, you know, where people get to know like who's behind the company or how are they helping. And to your point on the storytelling, um, I read a really interesting book a while back. It's, I think it's called story brand and there's this whole like community behind it, but it brought up a very good point. And with everything that you do, consider this with every story throughout, as long as we've been writing or reading, uh, there is generally a hero a villain, an obstacle, and an outcome, you know? Mm -hmm. And so your business would be the hero. What is the villain and what is the obstacle? And then how do you reach that desired outcome? You know, and so if you take that approach when you're with your marketing materials or your posts or your pictures or whatever, like, you know, um, it, it just, that relationship, it strengthens that bond between you and your customers and your clients. I like that. That's pretty cool. That's an interesting way to think about it. Um, 
So in regards to the customers that you're working with right now, you mentioned a little bit ago that like your business hasn't really been impacted by, um, you know, by the, the COVID and um, by the COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, why do you think that is? Um, a few things. I mean, one, uh, we're very fortunate. We're very grateful. We've got great clients and, if any of our clients are struggling, we're trying to get ahead of it and become more of um, like a care relief for them, like care relief efforts. We're trying to figure out new ways that they can sustain their business or grow their business. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And it may be ways they may not never tried before. But honestly, I think it's because we haven't niched down into one specific area, you know, one specific industry which could be a fault, but it's been saving us so far. We do work with um, primary ones, um, but I think that's been what it is. You do work with what? We do work really well with home services uh, and some other industries, but we haven't focused too heavily on one specific industry. Got it. Okay. So what is it that you have? uh, Well, actually, before I go there, um, I think it's interesting that you said you've kind of been helping them to like think about different ways in which they can make money. You and I were chatting a little bit about that before we kind of jumped on the call, just in reviewing what, what to share today. But I'd love to hear like kind of maybe a couple of examples or whatever of some things that you've suggested for folks. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are tons of examples. It really just depends on your industry, but yeah. You know, I <clears throat> I covered some of this in uh, past presentation. Like, if you're a restaurant owner, some things you can do is start delivering if you've never delivered before, or create a membership site with recipes and cooking classes on some of your most popular dishes. Uh, whether you sell those in the membership site or you just post them to YouTube and Facebook and start getting ad revenue. Um, Also, because you're a restaurant, you probably have really cheap rates as far as inventory. So you could possibly, you know, start flipping your inventory. If you have the potential, uh, like you're a deli shop or sandwich shop, you can potentially start slicing meats and selling those or, you know, take take home kits or kits that families can do together. Um, For creative services, you know, I don't know about you, but how many people haven't like approved a logo? So you've got like a library of things that have never been approved. Uh, You know, like maybe they just didn't like, so you can change some of those things around, change the name and flip those on some of these stock websites. Um, Offer paid training courses or consultations to other people who are looking to do what you do. Um, Yeah. So you've got some options there. Yeah. Yeah. I have definitely, I mean, I think at the beginning of this, it was, it was not just a shift in regards to me changing up the actual strategies for my clients. Um, Cause I knew immediately like that just had, it had to change, you know, real quick. And, uh, and it wasn't that huge of a jump just because storytelling was always a part of it. But then the second aspect of it was definitely like, okay, what are we going to be focusing on now? How are we going to be able to connect with folks? I love your idea for the uh, like the do it yourself kits that I've yeah. seen popping up are so fun. Yeah. You know, um, like the bakery shops that are doing those with like cup 
cupcakes and stuff for Easter. And um, there's a uh, kind of like do-it-yourself shop here in Wilmington anyway that you would used to go in for classes and you would make stuff. And so they've been creating kits that people can just come pick up and like, you know, make like a cute <clears throat> chalkboard or, or um, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But I just think that those are like, why didn't we have more of that before, you know? Yeah. So they're like, they're, they're pivots being made now that can become, uh, you know, people's actual business models. You know, like once this blows over, they don't have to stop that. No, no. And I think that, I mean, certainly what I've been advising my folks, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I really believe that this has changed um, not only the way that we will do business moving forward, but marketing. And so, I mean, I've always pushed for having an online presence of some sort in regards to like a component of your business that is available online. But I really think that that is going to have to be a must moving forward. I mean, even when we get out of this scenario, I think folks have really seen how fragile their businesses can be if they solely focus on, you know, the brick and mortar or the people coming in the door. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing to think about. Do you, do you think that marketing in of itself has completely changed or like that it will go back to being the same? I think, um, I think more people are going to be exposed right now to online marketing and they're going to see the potential of that and maybe shift more towards mm -hmm. the online mm -hmm. side. Um, so I think there'll be a change there. I don't think like your traditional marketing will, will die or cease to exist, but I think possibly there may be less weight placed on those channels uh, and more people going towards the online side. And I mean, if you're not on advertising online, like if you can, it's a great place and great time to do it because the average cost per click right now is down by like 20 to 30% because not as many businesses you know, like restaurants who aren't open, they're not advertising online at the moment, or at least not in the capacity that they were. Um, so you can get some really inexpensive results, you know, by advertising online right now. And I think once people see those results coming in, and it's very easy to match up, like, okay, I spent X and I got Y, uh, they're going to start pushing a little bit more towards the online side. Yeah. Well, it's been so fascinating to watch. I mean, it's like, you know, Farmers all of a sudden have to create e-commerce, yeah. you know, for their businesses. Um, and they're realizing that they can reach more people now than they did beforehand, you know, and easier. And you've got like yoga instructors who all of a sudden, like they don't have eight, 10, 15 people in a class. They have 60, 70, you know yeah. what I mean? And so like, they're killing it. And they're like, why didn't I do this before? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, on the other side, people are all of a sudden able to work out with the people that they really like from home if they can't drive to the studio. You know what I mean? Oh, There's yeah. so many interesting components that are coming out of this on the business side. I, I just, I mean, I have to pull myself away from social media and watching what businesses are doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, it can, uh, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me see if I have any more questions for you. I do. I do. I do. How are we doing on time? We're good. Okay.
Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so I have four closeout questions for you. Gotcha. Number one, what is a habit that you can't live without? Habit that I can't live without. Um, just acquiring new knowledge, changing things up. I don't like to be stuck in one place, so I'm <laughs> trying to learn something new. Says the Sagittarius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, number two, what does spirituality mean for you? I know that there's something bigger than myself out there and whatever you decide to label that as is completely cool with me. Um, just the fact that I know that there's something greater than myself out there. Uh, it kind of puts me in perspective to know that, you know, I'm not uh, a superhuman. Um, I am mortal, you know, so it just allows me to kind of give back and give thanks. And, you know, if I, if I dig up a tree, I'm planting a tree in this, you know, same week or something. You know what I mean? It's it's this, I guess, to better answer your question, uh, in my perspective of reality and being a, a living person, there's a yin and a yang to every single thing. There's a yes and a no. There's a, a positive uh, reaction and a negative reaction. So with that said, I just try to go through life knowing that and uh, and just try to do my part in balancing anything and everything I'm doing out, I guess. Awesome. I love that. Number three, what is your advice to anyone who's looking to find purpose in their life? Do the things that make you happy, you know, um, find things that make you happy and, and hopefully that's something that, that helps another person. Um, don't go into it looking for, looking to get something out of it. I think that just naturally follows, but um, it's that I hear it called tons of different things. Um, the giver's gain philosophy, you give and you'll gain, you know? The giver's gain philosophy? Yeah. I haven't I heard it, of that. I thought that was a more commonly used term, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm part of a networking group and that's what they call it, giver's gain. So it's probably just been drilled in my head so much that I think everybody knows it. But yeah, it's it's essentially, you know, um, you know, take on a mentor that's 10 years ahead of you where you are and then mentor somebody that's 10 years behind you. You know, you're creating that balance. You're, you're uh, giving back essentially, and that's that's ultimately what I personally try to stand for. Yes. Helping people, even if it doesn't mean they have to work with me. Yes, one hundred percent. Okay, and number four, where can people connect with you online? Sure. So um, I've got a little micro YouTube channel. Um, I think you can just search Eric Schmidt. You might find some other interesting things on there. Um, but designloud.com, you can visit the agency's website. Um, we've tried to take more of that story brand approach in our website. So if you're looking for some inspiration or you want to criticize our copywriting, uh, you can go to designloud.com. And then if you're an entrepreneur or business owner and, uh, like to see how our software can help you organize, systematize, and scale your business, you can check out swellsystem.com. Awesome. Awesome. All right, folks. I will make sure to put all of those links in the show notes. But now I want to hear from you. How will you use the information that we've shared today to help your business? 
Find me on Instagram at Anna Hendricks and share on today's Instagram post. Use the hashtag soldrivenpodcast or email me at soldrivenpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If today's message was helpful, please leave me an iTunes review and share this episode with those you love. Don't forget to sign up for the email list. Worksheets and other helpful tools will only be shared with that community. Be safe and stay well. Until next time.